Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It's Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. You're listening to episode number 535. I had to think about that for a second. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me for this week's show is Mr. Bob Ryer. What do you think George Washington did on his birthday? Um, Maybe playing with his ivory teeth, as I learned the other week. Uh, Aaron Amos is here. I could say something about slavery, but I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Coming out swinging. The claws are sharp. John Burkle, what do you say to that? Every week I follow Aaron, and I never have this good equip. (laughs) (laughs) It is is hard to outdo this man, that is for sure. He is the all-star. That's right. Hey, now. He's an all-star. Get your game on. (laughs) No, I'm going to put a stop to that right now. Uh, Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. We are back. Boy, uh, what a week it's been for comic books. It has been calm. No one has been angry about anything happening within the industry. No one is upset about a primary source for comic book reading uh, becoming a dumpster fire. Fear of of good feelings. Yes. Yeah. We're all going to be better. So, uh, We're all going to be better. Yes. Uh, you can be sure that we'll be talking about that very shortly. Quick rundown of the show. Of course, we've got some lightning rounds. We also have a couple of saucy news items. I don't know why I said that. They're not really <laughs> saucy. They're just kind of there. Uh, some of them are exciting-ish. Um, like I said, Comixology 4.0 is kind of the the big to do of this past week. And so of course we're going to talk about that a little bit. Some of our personal experiences with the new app, uh, go through some of the stuff that we've heard online and maybe even pull an email and see what that experience has been like in other parts of the world. How about that? We like it. Awesome. Yes. That is, that is the plan. That is what we're going to do. And it all starts right now. So Comixology 4.0 came out and it is a disaster to put it lightly. To some. Uh, To some. I was going to say to some. To some. uh, I would say the majority of people, but it is the internet, are very upset. There are certainly aspects of it that in the little time that I've had with it so far that I've found uh, to be quite irksome. I will go over those in a moment. But um, I don't know, I must confess, I don't know that I've had the wholly negative experience that some other people have had. Uh, I think maybe 
I'm going to see more of that this coming week when I encounter my first like two days of comic book buying between getting some of my DC books and some of my, you know, other books on Wednesday. I'm very curious to see what the store experience is going to be like, because I've heard that it's not great and it was already difficult to me. I've mentioned uh, difficult for me. I've mentioned this on the show before, but the way that uh, Comixology, whatever their service is, I can't even remember, Unlimited, there yeah. you go. Uh, after I joined that, every week, for whatever reason, when I would go to buy my comics, there would be like an overlay mm-hmm. on every single title. And so the title would either be written twice or there would be text over the text. So everything that I was looking at in the shop was obscured and you could never really tell if you were buying an individual comic or if you were buying a volume of something, you kind of had to do your research and know what you were getting into and check your cart at the end and do the whole thing. Um, Not that big of a deal, especially since we make our lists every week and I kind of have it in the back of my mind what what the covers look like that I'm going to be looking for. But for people that aren't buying as much or aren't as seasoned with the app as, as some of us are, it uh, it was a little bit of annoyance. And now it sounds like they're taking that stuff to another level by putting in a couple of roadblocks for people that are looking to buy their books. Uh, in the little bit of time that I spent with the app, which I have to admit was not much, I've been spending a lot of time with Webtoons in the past couple of weeks for obvious reasons. I'll be talking about another book from that uh, platform in a little while, but I did go in and buy spoilers for my lightning round. I did go and uh, read rain number two and I read like the first two or three issues of wonder twins. Uh, And I have wonder twins in my library, but only the single issue that I bought when that issue, when that series first started is displayed and clickable. Both volumes that I purchased last week uh, are not displayed and are not clickable in my library. Wow. I had to go through like two more layers of clicking around to access those volumes. And like, I found like a little bit of a workaround, but the idea that they weren't there struck me as kind of ridiculous and broken. Speaking of ridiculous and broken and stuff that is not on Comixology, uh, we have some friends of the show who have seen some of their work disappear off of the platform this past week ever since the launch. Uh, Our good friend Ben Kahn, their uh, Heavenly Blues, and I believe um, a couple of other... uh, you know, creator-owned series that have come out from them are no longer there. Whether it was through Comixology Submit or other means, there are things missing from people's libraries. Now, I went in immediately and checked to make sure that all of my comics were there, um, and it was weird. I was relieved to find that, like, the numbers telling me, it says 5,050 comics. So, like, <laughs> presumably they're all there. But I, there was a small part of me that was kind of hoping that at least a little of them would be missing. So I would have to investigate and find out what that process is like so I could bring it to the show. But it did not happen. Um, I guess I should count myself as one of the lucky ones. But, uh, I mean, overall, I uh, 
I don't know. It's slow. The app is very, it's, it's not quick to load as the other one was. Uh, I find the organization of the library to be wanting. Uh, I've not found kind of the, the listings and the grid patterns and stuff like that, that they've implemented uh, to be well thought out. I'm having trouble keeping track of what I've read uh, from my list that I keep every year of everything that I've gone through. And before I did the update, forgot to update that list. So there's going to be at least a few weeks worth of books that I don't have on my list, which is sad. But um, yeah, I don't want to bogart this whole thing. I want to let some other people talk. I do have more to say. Uh, it has not been the dumpster fire for me, I think, because I'm using the iPad and I and that particular platform is very much the same-ish as it was before I updated. And I think that maybe some of the bigger problems that people are having live on other platforms such as desktop or people trying to use the Kindle app. Um, that is not my situation. And so I can only speak to like what I've experienced so far. Uh, I will say it's not great, but again, I have not encountered uh, a lot of the issues that I've seen people complaining about uh, online and right, rightfully so, um, you know, as a fan paying for these things and wanting to engage with them and them making it difficult to do that. Um, John, you've been poking around with this for a little bit. What have you found? Um, I don't read as much digital as you and Aaron probably do. So when mine updated, I, I'm my one gripe is that I always read out of my smart list because I, I, it was, that's the most recent purchases I made. And so they were right there. And then if I needed to go into my library, I could. So now I have to go into the the library, and it's 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 not daunting, but it is it is. Holy cow! When you have to look at everything you bought and you think about the money you spent, that's a little bit of a, <laughs> a wake up. But um, I my I, I wish that I could buy my comics in the app. Um, I don't know why that hasn't happened yet. With if you're going to do this big rollover. Uh, as for the, I mean, Comixology has never been a cutting edge app. It's always had its, its clunkiness. So, I mean, this feels a little bit more clunky, but everything I've ever bought is there. Um, it, it, I just got to find a new way to find everything. And as you said, when you buy something new, it's not just right there anymore. You got to actually go seek it out. Yeah. See, that's kind of what I'm waiting for to hit because I did mm -hmm. poke around in the store just a little bit mm -hmm. and nothing, the way that things were listed, particularly in right. the new releases section, they were not alphabetized as they usually are. It's more like, we think these are the comics yeah. that people care about. So we're going to put these first, you know, it's, we're going to put these forward and then everything else is going to be toward the back. And I don't think that their no. like their algorithms are reading my collection it's, well enough to determine what I am interested in and what I'm not interested in because when I went onto that store it looked like a nightmare yeah. and I'm going to have to sift through to find what I want to find. Right. It, it's very Amazon ask of this is what we think you like. This is I just I want I want to know what comes out on February 22nd from DC. I want it in alphabetical order. And I had the same issue that you had when I joined Unlimited. My my little purchase button, it's got like the because you get the you get the the discount and it just it was all yeah, it was yeah. it was always a mess. But 
I went in and I bought a book after the 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 up the changeover, and then I went to my app and it was right there. So I'm hopeful I'm not going to have a huge issue. I don't depend upon Comicsology for my weekly reading. I still go to my store for for right. my books. So I usually I I usually buy I I buy a couple things I keep on there, and then I usually look at what you, what you all are bringing to the table, and if it's something that I should read to talk about, I will usually buy it in comicsology. Um, I have not had a major issue. I've never read a comic on my desktop. So that is, yeah, that is not an issue for me. Um, so I think Aaron probably has more insight. Cause I think Aaron, you're solely digital, aren't you? Yeah. For the most part at this point, I'm solely digital. I, I, I only go to my shop when I'm looking for like a particular trade, like a prestige trade or something like that. So, um, uh, for the most part, week to week, what you hear me talking about are things that either I got from the review folder or I got from, you know, comiXology. Um, my experience was not as jarring as I think others, because when I, as I, I think I said in one of our, um, chats was this just feels like they recycled the comp, the Kindle app. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at it from, and this is maybe where my my nerd world went into my mix into my work world because you know, for those of you who don't know, what I do for the most part is run large portfolios of IT uh, programs that build applications for the government. Um, and when I was looking at it, I sort of I think my brain clicked over into the the work. Aaron, because I was looking at the structure and I was looking at the UI and I was looking at everything and saying, all right, so basically you repurposed, you know, uh, some code that you had. You probably cleaned up a couple of things. You probably went through a couple of bug refreshes and and made some things a little bit more um, in line with the UI UX experience you're trying to have, blah, 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 blah. So this wasn't a rehaul. I mean, this wasn't like a, a total overhaul, but more so a porting of code from one base to another. So don't don't pat yourselves on the back like you did something <laughs> amazing. You really did it. Um, but I, from the perspective of Amazon, I see why they wanted to do it. Um, and I think this, again, goes back to something we had in our chat earlier. I think they do want to have everything under one umbrella, under one, when I say umbrella, I mean technical umbrella. I think they want to be able to do all those other things that we're talking about that in-app purchases. But I think it's very difficult to do when you have um, multiple authentication methods, multiple ways that people authenticate who they are to log in. So there's multiple things you have to track, you know, whether it's access to security, there's access to um, people's, you know, personal information and, you know, there's rules and regulations. So I feel like this is step one uh, to getting there. Now, in terms of my overall experience, I whittled it down to what are the things that I care most about when I'm going through my books can I purchase my books? Will they show up? Yes. Can I see them? Is is my viewing of those books degraded in any way? No. Are there X number more clicks to get to my... So those are the things that I was grading it on. My experience yeah. overarchingly was not that it was functionally ineffective to me, but rather it was unfamiliar. So I kind of walked away feeling as though, all right, it's unfamiliar now, similar to when Apple does like a big iOS update or something like that. It's unfamiliar to me now, but before long, I won't even remember what I was doing on the old version. So that's kind of where my head is right now. Um, I am, 
you know, still, I will be honest, I'm still sort of finding things here and there as I need them. And I'm sure the whole, you know, new comic book day uh, process will be a little bit different. But so far, I'm not, I'm not enraged by the update. I, 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 feel, I feel like it was early, though. I feel like they probably could have waited and gotten all the parts and pieces together before they pushed it out, though. That's all I was going to say. Mm-hmm. I think it would have benefited from some kind of a tutorial mm-hmm. and mo- more than they had when you start up the app. There were maybe like four pages of just the most basic, like almost like airline instructions of how to onboard the app. But it, they don't tell you how to navigate those menus. And there's a significant amount of more options and sub menus to kind of paw through before you get to where you want to go um, using the drop down menu to close the comic. And instead of it disappearing from your screen, having it be kind of like minimized yeah, um, down to the, this bottom center of the screen. I like I don't, clicking I don't that. like that. I kept clicking on like, is this supposed to be here? Like, yeah. Here? yeah. This is annoying. Um, I do appreciate the slide for the pages. Uh, it's maybe a little unwieldy if you're trying to get to the middle, but as like, instead of closing the book and it automatically like booting you back to the cover page, which is what used to happen, you now have to basically manually reset your position in the book. So once you're done, you have to grab the bottom of the page and slide it all the way over to the left and then close it. But even after you close it, it's still displayed on the bottom of the page, yeah. which I just, yeah, I just, yeah. it's not like a hindrance, but it's weird. I want to go back, John, you said earlier, I, I wanted to make sure I was understanding. You said that you were, were you having problems in seeing what was coming out on whatever day that you identified? It's just that I'm, I've gotten so used to the way that the new the new books were always on the Comixology website that, you know, they had like the date and then they went in alphabetical order. I don't yeah. think they're doing that anymore. Well, yeah, you can select the date. You're, there is a Oh, can you? Below. Okay. Yeah. Then, I was just want to make sure because I'm look, I was using it just now and I'm like, I'm wondering if this is what he was mentioning. Okay. Then maybe I just haven't played around with it enough still. It, it, and then now that it's got the whole Amazon integration, it just looks like my usual Amazon homepage. So it just it it's 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 new. It's it's different. People don't like change. Um, I think probably three or four months from now, it's probably not an issue. Well, here's here's my question, and Bob, maybe you can get in on this too after listening to, to all this stuff. Do we think that they're actually going to do the work to change it? Are they going to take all this backlash to heart, or are they just going to be like tough? Or Amazon, they, deal with it. They have, yeah. they have a they have a plan. They're going forward. But what do you mean by that? There, I think what Aaron's talking about that they want to, you know, they want to integrate everybody into Amazon. They want to get rid of the whole pre-Amazon purchase Comixology logins. They want to turn this into Kind of like what they did with Prime Video, where you this is where you curate all of your your videos, your rentals, your your purchases, um, and, and they eventually, I think, will get to a point where you can just buy in the app. I just think it, this is a clunky rollout. This is this is not what what they needed to do, but I don't I don't foresee. I think in in. I think that they'll fix it. I just don't know if they care that it's a clunky rollout. So here's what I'm also going to tell you. In my day job, I also work with Amazon folks. 
Oh, 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 oh. promise you. Sleeping with the enemy, eh? I promise you. This is, this is just basic app development. And I, I almost guarantee there's pro- listeners listening right now who are nodding their heads up and down. Long before this rollout ever happened, the next three rollouts were already planned. Huh. What's coming out next was already been planned. They have. They are probably doing it in a very agile manner, which means that they do this in sprints when they identify what their features are going to be. And when they get a bunch of features all lined up together that they think make a good release, they push it out. But they never stop working on the features. Okay. So I, I promise you. Now, I can't tell you when we're going to see it, but I promise you Amazon is paying very well a metric butt ton of highly skilled developers. They are not just sitting around waiting to see what they're going to do next. Someone's going to accuse you of being paid by Amazon in the comments for this episode. Come at me, bro. I don't care. Aaron's going into <laughs> space with Jeff. Yeah, yeah. He's got a seat. He's got a seat on the next voyage. Listen, if I was on that ship with Jeff, I'd be like, here, let me aim this toward all the poor people you could be helping with. <laughs> this freaking subtle money. What about it, Bob? Is this convincing you to turn digital? Oh, if anything else, it turned me against it completely. Uh, I, I, some people are complaining, for instance, that it used to be, and I know, Steve, you always jump on all the sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sales are now only collections and not single issues. A very sort of Amazon way of the, the, you search for something mm-hmm. and you don't get everything relevant to it, but you sort of get, here's what we, you were saying before, John, here's what we think you'll like. Yeah. Is that have they? I mean, I you know, I didn't even think about that. Have they restructured the sales? I've seen a number of reports to that, but I'm you'd have to, to check. I'll look and see, but I haven't seen. I haven't been hit by anything that has. I guess is what I'm saying. I haven't been hit by anything see, that seems so completely out of my normal cadence of thing, my normal use case. So right. I guess I'll have to look and see what that. Looks I like. will be very curious to <laughs> see what the see what song we're singing next week. After we've gone through a full week of trying to buy stuff through the, those of us who are well, planning to purchase some Comixology books. Well, they have a whole thing here that says comic deals. And you click on that and it literally just goes through all the deals that they have. I don't buy a lot but of I single issues there, though, because of Marvel Unlimited and DC Infinite. That's where, I mean, I can go get all the single issues there. So Yeah, but what if they're doing like a Jeff Lemire sale? And they don't want to just do like the volumes of Gideon Falls, but they want to do the individual issues for a dollar. Well, then I will go to my, collecting my it, long box with Gideon Falls in it. I'll <laughs> read those that? there. I'm not. Like oh, come I on, John. Like you. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I get what you're saying. That I mean, I always appreciated when they were really like when the next, you know, when the next Jeff Lemire book comes out that they always put. Like every, you know, you could get the collections or you could get the single issues. Right. And there's one. I I, I did appreciate that. You're right. I think the same fellow also mentioned the idea you used to be able to search by publisher and you could see everything coming from a publisher. You can still do that. You can still do that. Uh, It's so funny you said that because that's literally what I was doing when you said that. Yeah, that's the, the, the image that Aaron just put in the chat. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a, there's an example of that. Like I said, I think that it's going to be next week. We'll have a, a you know a little yeah. bit more to say after we actually go through a week of purchasing books. But um, before we get off this topic, I do want to bring an email into the conversation. Uh, our good friend Christoph, who is in Austria, 
wanted to talk about his experience with uh, comiXology. Christoph always sends us these epic, like scrollable <laughs> emails with lots of details. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, Christoph, I, we know that you're listening. Thank you so much for uh, interacting with us at, at this level. It's really just awesome. Um, and talkingcomicbooks.com, uh, if you want to, was it uh, at Talking Comics? What is the email again? Wow. At Talking Comics. At TalkingComicBooks.com. Okay. Um, Jesus Christ, I've only said it enough times. But uh, let's see here. So Christoph says, since uh, I'm going to kind of bounce around in this email a little bit, so bear with me. Um, I'm sure you will talk about these things on the next episode. Since I am from Austria and living here, I wanted to provide you with an international perspective. I also spent a lot of time in the last couple of days on Twitter reading comments about the whole situation. I wanted to get a sense of how bad it was uh, for international readers, upon which I am also one of those international readers, uh, being in Canada. I am not exaggerating when I say that we got the short end of the stick. Not only that, but we did get beaten over the head with it. Uh, To get my digital comics, I have to use Amazon.de, but Amazon, and when I say Amazon, I also mean Comixology, I have no idea how their internal management structure works, Uh, but I hope they get fired. Uh, They did not update the uh, uh, .de website at all. Here are a couple of things that we do not have compared to the US version. There is no Comixology-like interface similar to the one that's on Amazon.com. No weekly sales overview, no weekly release overview, no publisher overview. The discover section in the app does not work with my Amazon.de account. Uh, As far as I can tell from the tweets, this is also the case for other international Amazon accounts. Again, I have no idea. Um, Instead of a weekly sales and release overview, we get recommendations. In my case, those recommendations do not in the slightest fit my previous comiXology purchases or even my physical trade and graphic novel purchases on Amazon. It's just bad. I would pose that, and this is a maybe on my part, but like I'm wondering if because it's a new app launch and you have to reload your whole library, the algorithm should be able to look at your library overall and make recommendations to you based on those products. But maybe it needs to learn from your in-app purchases from the new app before it can actually start calculating what to recommend you. That sounds ridiculous to me. I'm not sure that that's how algorithms work, but maybe that's the case. I don't know. I, I, I'm just putting it out there. I don't know enough about this stuff. Um So he asked Comixology and Amazon support on Twitter about the release uh, and sales overviews. They have not gotten back to him yet. Uh, And then he goes on to say a whole bunch of other stuff about his experience, uh, mostly mostly negative, and and goes on to say a lot of positive things about comics and how much he loves the medium overall, uh, how much joy he gets from them, and how this is this experience with Comixology is kind of hurting that and uh you know as somebody who uses comicsology as their main source for reading comics nowadays since i don't really have the time to get downtown into the city and um pick up my books all the time i will be watching this very closely and i will of course share my experiences with you all here on the show 
Uh, I'm hoping that with enough time and enough combing through the options and getting familiar with it, that like Aaron said, just like anything else that's new, you kind of need time to adjust to it. I do have faith that there will be updates, whether those updates will push us forward or set us back even further. I have no idea. Uh, Their silence, I think, is kind of weird, but hopefully they're kind of taking it all in. But given that this is Amazon, I know that they've kind of been with Comixology for the past, I think, four years or so. But um, I just don't know how much they care. Mm. So we'll see. You know, for the amount of money that they have, they can afford to throw like the R&D into this and get some people to listen to these critiques and actually, you know, develop a better app. And like Aaron had said, hopefully they're doing that. And this is just a soft launch to, you know, onboard everyone into merging their accounts, as many of those people as they can get to, you know, advertise to them and do all the things. Uh, And then we'll fix it later. Like, let's just, let's just get the bodies in the room Right. And then we'll worry about, you know, we'll worry about the fallout later. But there's really not uh, an alternative. What this reads like. I mean, Comixology is it. If you want to buy. Yeah, it, dude, it, they've cornered the market. So, like, I mean, they don't yeah. really need if I mean, I, I don't I'm not I'm just not saying that they're not going to care, but they don't need to care because you either going to Comixology or you're going to a comic shop. Yeah. Yeah. For uh, new books, at least. Well, I'll, let me throw something in I'll, on that front. Uh, overall. Uh, for those people who are struggling with all this and are looking for some way to buy comics, over uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick on her Twitter has started a hashtag called Comic Shop Spotlight, <laughs> where guys who run stores who do mail order and subscription services all over the world have been sending her information. And it's all up on, if you go to, go to her Twitter or look for the hashtag Comic Shop Spotlight. That's yeah. awesome. That's very cool. There's always like DCBS and Midtown and those services too. So, I mean, if you want to, I mean, if you want to help the little guy, go to Kelly Sue. But there's there's options out there. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. So mm-hmm. here's the thing. Um, again, going from yes. the marketing perspective, what existed before was a firewall between Comicsology. I'm talking about from an app's perspective between Comicsology and the rest of the Amazon world. So I think there was probably limitations then on what Amazon could do to sort of increase the value of this comics branch to them. Because people that were going into the comicsology part weren't automatically going over to the Amazon part and the traffic over on the Amazon side was not leading anyone to the comicsology. I think that was the objective. Recall how we were talking about during the year end that we were able to see more books sort of skating the line and going back and forth and certain books I could buy from my app in Comixology that probably a year ago or two years ago I couldn't. This merger allows that cross-pollination. So now they've given themselves a one-click marketing strategy that allows people who are buying their comics to also say, well, crap, I also need to order more diapers I needed to order more dog food, blah, 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 and have that all right available to them on the same UI. At the same time, it gives people, potentially people who are 
buying diapers, the opportunity to see these nerd things that maybe are being referenced because the next Doctor Strange movie is out and they're going to put all the nerd stuff to the front of the, the UI. There, make no mistake, this wasn't just sort of like a timely, like a, a, a random timing, you know, update. They are clearly trying to, to, to get the two sides to see each other and to benefit. Otherwise, why buy it? You know, why, why incorporate it into the, the portfolio? Aaron, so, I'll tell you, I, I guarantee you that the seats around the, the boardroom that day were all that discussion you just had, and I, I certainly know why that would have to happen. Yep. And for those people buying diapers who want to see the, on the little sidebar, also on Comixology today, mm-hmm. maybe they wouldn't look over there. Mm-hmm. What do you think the percentage of people who buy from Comixology aren't buying something from Amazon? I'm saying it's zero. You're probably right. So going in that direction, it's it's completely worthless. You're probably right. I'm sure. I, I think they're trying to find the value. They're trying to add value to the Comicsology purchase. Oh yeah, in the same way that AT and T is trying to do that with DC, and mm-hmm. it's failing miserably. It's like let's direct more people over there. Yeah. Let's, let's make this a little bit more connected. Let's you know let's tap into people's childhood memories of these heroes or blah 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 blah. Um, or let's tap into the ever-evolving, you know, zeitgeist of comic book-related properties that now link back to this, you know, uh, printed property, et cetera, et cetera. Let's direct people straight there. You know, those types of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's all a business. That's the thing at the moment. It's just all a business. <laughs> well, I'm in the business of. Making their business other people's business. <laughs> we talk about their they're messing up on the show. So we'll we'll continue to investigate this stuff and uh, bring it all to you as it develops. We we hope that it gets better for for people out there that are really frustrated with it. Uh, I hear you. I understand. And I mean, inconveniences aside, I really hope that they help the creators that have helped to build this platform that they've now changed into whatever it is now, uh, get their books back on the platform to be sold. Uh, I don't know why those books disappeared, but somebody should have been watching that stuff uh, or should at, at least have given creators a heads up and not blindsided them because there are a lot of creators that depend on those sales yeah. and those those checks coming in every now and again to help them pay the bills and create other stories and do other things. Uh, and they did not do right by those people in that regard. And first and foremost, they need to fix that shit. Uh, and then, you know, of course, fix the app uh, as well and listen, listen to some of the feedback. Hmm. All right. I think we could move on from this. Sure. Garbology 4.0. <laughs> Get it now. Is that, is that our uh, episode title? Oh, you better believe it. I've had, it, <laughs> I've had that planned long before we sat okay. down to record this. That's like four or five days old. Uh, that is also the title of an Aesop Rock album. I cannot take full credit for that, but it's perfect and it fits and I'm using it. <laughs> Absolutely. He won't mind. We're both from Long Island. He gets it. All right. 
Uh, let me get my outline back up on the old screen here. Do 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 do. Let's uh, let's do some lightning rounds. Uh, Bob, why don't you go first? All right. <clears throat> well, serious here. One of the long <laughs> national nightmares has ended. The eighth and final issue of Supergirl: Mona Tomorrow has come out. <laughs> oh boy. Now, I want to say, as this issue rolled on, I, I really thought I, I was getting glimmers of hope that Tom King would redeem this miniseries at the 11th hour, but nope. An awful, snatched an it all away. awful third act where, where the little girl Ruthie has to convince Supergirl that she shouldn't run someone through with a sword, which is followed by a violent epilogue that makes a lie of that whole previous scene just, just for fun. <laughs> now, being completely open, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a long time until I pick up anything by Tom King again without some heavy getting coming first. I don't care. Uh, it's so good, though. <laughs> no, because it's going to be deconstructing. All this, it's just this crap that he does over and over and over again. That's his trope, and he lives with it, and I'm done. <laughs> now, because Evelie's art on this, on the other hand, was stunning throughout this, so in my head... I have the fantasy of what this series could have been with, I don't know, Peter David writing it, but, you know, say la vie. Uh, uh, moving on, a uh, quick Wonder Woman double with two issues that lead directly into the Trial of the Amazons mini-event. Nubia 5 by Stephanie Williams, Vita Ayala, Aletha Martinez, Mark Morales, and Romulo Fajardo Jr. With, I guess, Rumpelstiltskin on letters, as they still don't have anyone listed doing that job. <laughs> um... What we do have, though, is we have a very Diana-esque conclusion to a battle with Medusa that also serves to, unfortunately, bring some added stress to, to some on Themyscira, which you know doesn't seem to be relieved by a late arrival on the final page. Over in Wonder Woman 784 by Michael W. Conrad, Becky Cloonan, Marcio Takara, Tamra Bonvion, and Pratt Rousseau, what could have been just a boilerplate kind of tale is lifted above that by some assertions from the evil image maker, Lord of the Mirror World, who tells Diana that she's only a copy falling through the cracks after her death. A claim that it does shake her resolve for a bit, but, you know, she's Diana after all. You throw an old favorite Dr. Psycho, who's about to assemble a new villainy ink from back in the, in the Golden Age, could be fun. And the series, to me at least, was headed in some really good storylines. You know, that said, though, with a world-changing event on the horizon, well, maybe too, because we have Death of the Justice League. I don't know how that's going to play out yet. All bets are off, but I'm still enjoying where we're at. Finally, Fantastic 440 by Dan Slott, Rachel Stott, Jesus Arbutov, and Joe Carmagna, about which I'll just say that I thought it was a great second act, forward movement on plot, character, and the peril involved, with Rachel Stott really delivering on big action and small moments, too. Because it's that kind of day, I, I, look, if I have a complaint, it's that as ever, this is an event promising a change to the old status quo. And, you know, I am frankly tired of that sort of ballyhoo, but I guess you got to take the crunchy with the smooth, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> uh, do you guys want to uh, fantastic for it up? Uh, this feels like it should be bigger than it is. Um, yeah. I mean, this has been building for... 15 years. years, 15 <laughs> yeah. years. 
Um, I just got to say, Reed, Reed's a prick in this issue. Um, he's He's got all that Watcher knowledge now, and he can do lots of things, and he just decides not to do it. So... Uh, but no, I'm in, I'm enjoying it. I, I've been enjoying Slots Run, um, and then yeah, Rachel Stott. I thought really really up upped her game and, and turned out a fantastic issue. So I'm going to go back to Nubia. Cool. <laughs> um, I enjoyed the care. I enjoy the characterization of Nubia throughout this whole story. I enjoy that she is confident but introspective. I enjoy. You know, that, you know, she wants the opinions of others, but she recognizes that she's the queen. I enjoy that she's never questioned whether or not she's the queen and that she's garnered the respect of all of the other Amazon. Well, let's just say most of the other Amazons. Um, I'm glad that they have placed her at the, you know, throughout this, this storyline, have placed her somewhere that explains why we hadn't seen her in the last, you know, however many years, you know, since what, what was it? What was it like 40 years ago or something like that now? Yeah. It's gotta be. Yeah. yeah. About 40 years. So why we haven't seen her, what she was doing and they've led to, you know, things that have, they hinted at things that could have changed in her or could have been altered in her because of what she's been doing that, that period of time. Now with all that said, I don't know if I always love the characterizations of the Amazons in this this story because what took me out of this last issue just for a moment was the mean girl scene mm-hmm. um, at the end. I don't know if I it the way it happened seems so juvenile. And don't get me wrong; I expect there to be conflict on Themyscira. I, I'm not expecting everyone to be kumbaya and having pillow fights in their teddies or anything like that. But I I. <laughs> expect that the discourse, you know, that's for all you straight guys out there. Um, um, I expect the, the, the discourse to be at least, I mean, they're hundreds of years old, some of them. I expect the discourse to be a little bit more adult and just the sort of mean girl, Regina George type uh, quips. I just thought it, it took me out of being in the mascara and considering the scale of what had just happened to sort of slip back into that, it just seems so out of place. I, I just felt like maybe at that scene, the disagreement that scene yes. could, could, could disappear and wouldn't miss it at all. Yeah, I agree. I would not have missed it. So that that's the only thing I think. I think Nubia's characterizations in the storyline were great. Um, I think there are some surrounding characterizations that were great. I think sometimes <laughs> though, what the we it, we were wanting to be current or wanting to be modern and forgot that we were talking about characters that are supposed to be, you know, in some respect, centuries, if not millennia old. Mm-hmm. So that kind of caught me. Now, the, in the case of those couple of girls there, we might not know how yeah. lately they came out of this will of souls. Of well, which is yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I thought about that because we know the girls that they were fighting with had only just come out of that. Yes. The well. Um, so, and then Fantastic Four. I agree with you, John, right up until that last scene with Rhea yeah. and Sue. Yep. I, I agree with everything you said. The whole book, I was like, what a 
D bag. <laughs> Although I will say that scene with Johnny, I, I <laughs> in the back of my mind, I was just like, if you kept it in your pants, you wouldn't be on fire right now. Okay, <laughs> that is not his fault. That's your fault. Okay, <laughs> I really. That's kind of you cannot equivocate. What happened to Ben and what happened to Johnny? What happened to Ben was yeah. Reed's fault. Right. What happened to Johnny was Johnny's fault. Johnny couldn't keep it zipped. And now, like they say at the free clinic, it's going to burn. <laughs> Did you mean his lips or his pants? His pants. Okay. <laughs> I said like, keep it zipped. I'm just, look, I'm just clarifying for listeners at home. No, I said like, keep it zipped. I know you said that. I meant I said oh, his no, pants no. or his lips. Oh, his he should have kept his pants zipped. He should have kept his pants zipped. Thank you. He just so those were that's his fault. And so he's mad at Reed because Reed won't put solving his problem above saving all of existence. Come on now. Yeah. Well, he's Johnny. <laughs> Come on now. Don't be stupid. I'm like if it'd be and and then he just told you you're supposed to be a superhero. He just told you that you could be the thing that that turns the tide. You're like, oh, I don't care. I just want this over. Yeah. Man, come on. You look stupid. Next he has time, to go save Sky. It's his soulmate. You know. Oh, once again, Sky yeah. wouldn't be in danger. <laughs> Sky yeah. wouldn't be gone if you kept it zipped. Sue was right. <laughs> yes, she was. <laughs> I'm just just making my point, but no. Um, I I I I agree with again going back to what you're saying. I agree with you right up until we got yeah. to the point where Reed had to explain why everything was moving, why he was moving everything yeah. so fast. Yeah. You know, so it kind of makes sense. So it's like, yeah, he seems like he's being a, a d bag to everyone else, but yeah. the clock is ticking. So I, yeah, I like the return to the classic costumes. I liked all that. So yeah. No, it's a good it, it's a good solid issue. It, it's it just feels like this reckoning war has been built up, but it's just kind of like a side story right now. I will also say, I, I do need for there to be a point where the heroes are able to be heroes in our dimension, in our universe, in our time, where every single thing they do is not going to literally crack the universe apart. Yeah. Because yeah. I think going back to that well, not just Marvel, but DC as well with the source wall. They're both mm-hmm. in this sort of the whole universe is going to fall apart scenario right now where every storyline is coming at it from a different angle, from a cosmic, from a, from a magical, from a, you know, whatever angle. The universe is going to be cracked open or, or mm-hmm. the source of everything is going to bleed into whatever. And I kind of we're we're missing those opportunities except for a few heroes. <laughs> We're missing those opportunities to see them interact with humans, mm-hmm. you know, to see them interact with the people they're saving. If you notice that, we haven't seen a lot of that lately. Everything yeah. has been contained. There hasn't been an, inter- an interaction. And it sort of struck me as I was reading um, Kal-El, Superman, Son of Kal-El. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll talk about it a little bit later, but... And that that difference was there for me. And I'm like, yeah, maybe can we just sort of get to a stream of stories that is not universe changing, that has that has weight and that has impact, but isn't always going towards complete annihilation. 
that's the way of things now. It's the event and the connected stories that turn into those those major through lines through five or six books. We have what's Judgment Day coming, which is Eternals, X-Men, and Avengers. And uh, it, it, it's the storyline that, that seems to sell books, but does it eventually turn people away from it or yeah. harden them toward it? There's a, a great line from Roger Ebert years ago where they're talking about the the extremism in films and action movies and horror films and whatever. And he did love some of those things too, but he said, that's all someone sees. All you see mm-hmm. is this heavily stylized balls to the wall sort of thing. If that's all you consume, it's like eating tons and tons of spicy food. Eventually you'll lose your taste for creme brulee. Mm-hmm. 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 I guess I just sort of feel like, and this may be weird to say it, but if everything matters so much, then nothing does. Amen. So it's just it just seems weird to me. I just just go back to those street level moments, or at least if you're going to have the split, split up with team, have those teams that are going to do those cosmic thing. Yeah, let that be the Fantastic Four, or the Avengers, or whoever. But then have those teams or those groups that are, you know, still there because people are still getting murdered on the streets you know, of New York while you guys are out in space. Someone's got to protect them. Well, yeah, I'm slot, that's where slot, Daredevil. slot to his credit on on this run, even before he got to this story that he's been pushing for all these years, you had the kids trick or treating, yeah, as a single issue. Yeah. If you go back to Stan and Jack, there was a day where they opened their mail for a half an <laughs> issue, and then the, saw the Impossible Man for fun, or Burn having an issue where uh, someone took pictures of of Jen sunbathing on the roof. And it turned into going over to threaten the publisher of some sleazy magazine. It's like, yeah, it didn't have to be earth shattering, but it's you can tell a fun story, fun in one story, and still see the other stories moving forward. But give everyone a chance to catch their breath a little. Don't say when you're. Uh, I, you know what, John? I I'm not going to make you go after Aaron this time. <laughs> Would you uh, give us a lightning round? <laughs> All righty. Um, I finally, uh, or they finally wrapped up Primordial, which is Jeff Lemire, Andrea Sorrentino with Dave Stewart on colors. Uh, so Primordial is the alternate history of what happened to the world's first cosmonauts, Laika, uh, Abel, and Miss Baker, which is a dog and two monkeys. Um, this whole alternate history has been about the USA and the USSR trying to cover up what happened to these animals with the animals being taken in by a giant entity and evolved into um, not, not super, but more intelligent and their pathway home. And this book I thought was going to take place in the 1960s, but it spans all the way to 2024 with the uh, United Socialist Soviet Republic of Sweden, where, <laughs> this beautiful scene where like all good dogs, they finally come home. Um, this was a really fun little six issue, uh, tale alternate tale. It's come something completely different from what I'm used to with Lemire and Sorrentino, who've kind of done a lot of horror recently that this was just kind of this fun, uh, still obviously incredibly depressing because it's Lemire. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But has some beautiful moments and 
just the way we treat animals and the way that we, you know, just launched these animals into outer space and waited to see what happened is <laughs> I know that it's all for science, but it's still really, really sad. And I think I told you when I first started reading it, I was getting some Wii three vibes, which is a, a, <laughs> a book that just breaks me every time I read it. Uh, I still had those vibes, but at this point in time, Lemire and Sorrentino are master storytellers. I, I'm 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 to the point I'm putting them on the level of Brubaker and Phillips as that combo. And Whoa. they are coming out with the Bone Orchard Mythos starting in June, which is going to be a shared horror universe with series and standalone graphic novels that they are going to be working on at least over the next two years. So I am I can't wait to see what comes next, but this primordial is, is done. It's coming out in trade. It is fun. And it, anybody who is a fan of these two master storytellers really should pick it up. And the other book I, I brought to the table is Nightwing number 89, uh, Tom Taylor, Bruno Redondo with Adriana Lucas on colors and Wes Abbott on letters. This is just another delightful installment of our favorite Nightwing um, dubbed the world's finest sons. This is a crossover with the John Kent Superman. Uh, as the book opens with John Kent when he's first kind of back with the um Tomasi Gleason uh new rebirth era when he just kind of got his powers and he was still a little kid. He was being overwhelmed by his powers and he kind of flew off and. All the Justice League is out looking for him, and Nightwing and Batman find him. And there's just some adorable moments of Nightwing makes Bruce take his cowl off. He's like, he's a little kid, and you're walking into a dark cave with a cowl. What the hell are you thinking, Bruce? Uh, he shows John where Bruce hides his lollipops, which apparently are right next to his <laughs> smoke grenades. Um, but... As we, I, I, I have not been reading the regular Superman books, but apparently Superman is off world. Uh, John Kent is struggling with some of the choices that he's had to make. And back uh, a few issues ago, Superman asked Dick to look in on John if he needed to. And Kelix, the uh, super robot, uh, informs Dick and Barbara in the middle of the night after sneaking into their apartment that John needs them. And so the team up begins. Um, we get a, a little uh, look at um, the the truth, which is the the I guess it's a is it a blogger a, a newspaper from the the John Kent book. Um, Dick is a apparently blog. the the is a blog, isn't it? A vlog, rather. Yeah, and so Dick is the the new investor in that book. Uh, and, and, or that vlog and giving, you know, using his billions of dollars, you start to see That's some so heroes weird. being, <laughs> yeah, it's he's Dick's worth more than Bruce right now. That's amazing. Um, so Dick is financing the truth. Um, there's heroes being killed, which cleans up a terrible teenight Titans interpretation from Dan Jurgens years ago as a couple of those characters get killed off. And I gotta say, Dick just gets being a hero uh, he might be the most well-adapted uh, hero in the entire world as he just gets the 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 split between being Dick Grayson and Nightwing. Uh, and he got, sh- some great and he got shot in here. the head. 
<laughs> and he's been shot in the head. <laughs> and he's finally in love with Barbara. There they have go. a dog. He's rich. He's spending it all on great things. Nice. What could go wrong? Well. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's Those are really the only things I read this week that were uh, like outstanding. Nightwing sounding really, really good. Maybe I need to. I, I read during the end of the year, but it sounds as continuing to be a high quality thing. Oh, it's it's yeah, it's one of the best things on the. I, can, I can't wait for it to come out. It, I it, have it. I bought it. I haven't read that one. Yeah, I was telling yeah. You it's same here. The yeah, the the double threat of uh, Superman, Son of Kal El, paired with Nightwing. Like yeah. Both both of those books are just top top quality and right it, now, and it's yeah. seamless. You you couldn't tell which issue it was. There, yeah, it was just it was great. Yeah, what? there's some real fantastic art going on in that Nightwing book as well. I mean, in both really, but yeah. there have been some really standout issues of Nightwing. I tell yeah. you what, they better not go walking into John's apartment by them, so, you know, without knocking because you know, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> You have to leave a super sock on the door. <laughs> have to do something. Mr. Nakamura is staking his claim. Oh, so, yeah. That's, how all, is, that's uh, all here. That's all here. How is the uh, the Nakamura romance going on? I feel like uh, – I think I need to catch up a little bit with uh, John Kent. It's feeling strong. Oh. Feeling strong. Going down, huh? Listen, okay, really? <laughs> what? We just oh, there. Steve, too much. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Spoilers! Oh. God, can't have any fun. <laughs> All right, too far. I tell you, this is not a clay man cover, there, Steve. <laughs> yeah. So, did Primordial turn out to be everything that you wanted? I think so. It's I, you I were real jazzed about that book when it started. I lo- I love I love this duo. I love animals. I I it just it went in. It, there's like this huge time jump between issues four and five that I wasn't expecting. I t- expected it all to take place in the Cold War, um, and then the ending was just it. It turned out that it was I thought it was going to be this high concept sci fi. It's all about a dog coming home to its owner, and and, oh. and it still worked. It worked. This was some uh, Jeff Lemire Homeward Bound action. Yeah, yeah, that's exact. That damn right. That's it. <laughs> Limping over the over the hill. Oh God, that that scene. Waiting wrecks for him to show up. <laughs> Don't tell me. Chance and Sally come oh. over, and then they're waiting for what the hell was his name? The main dog. Oh God. Um. Oh, oh God! God, there was chance. Oh, this is gonna kill me. Fido. No, 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 no. I'm gonna find out. Hold on a second. Does give anyone me, really have that. a dog named Fido? I'm saying no. <laughs> um, I know people that have named their dogs dogs. Shadow. I'm just like, chance. Shadow. Shadow. Sassy. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Um. No, but I had a friend who named his dog Dog D O G. Okay. Oh, that's like Columbo. Yeah. But to be dog. fair, um. I don't know. I guess I could tell this. This this we were on a road trip, and this man was being very mean to his dog, and hitting it, and and Oof. not just. Um. So we liberated the dog. So we never knew the dog's name. So we just called him Dog. Mm. How did you liberate the dog? Uh, he went into the gas station, and we took the dog and drove off. Yes. yes, love it. And yeah. that dog had the charge. best life 
of any dog I've ever known. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, Take it, him right it, to the farm. No, nope, nope. It lived in our apartment with us in college and was the, the center of every festivity we ever had. That dog was a social dog. Uh, John, what is your favorite animal that is not a dog or cat? Oh, I... I it's a tough question. I like. I like. Don't a, turn it around on me because I don't know. No, I think it's a pet like, or is or is. Yeah, is it a pet or is it a? In general, like like what what animal in the animal kingdom do you see? And you just you just go like whoa moose. Okay, really? I saw a giant moose once when I was up north, and that was. I, I was amazed. Like you know they're big, but when you see them up close, it was like. Holy criminy. It was impressive. They're serious. I uh I went snowmobiling with my dad once and we had to walk into the snowmobiling rental place and they had, you know, a, a moose that they mm-hmm. had I guess somebody had shot and stuffed or whatever. And it was in the lobby and it was, you know, full size moose in yeah. the lobby of this rental place. And I remember walking in there. I must have been maybe eight or nine years old. And just looking up and going like, holy shit, like yeah. that thing could yeah. just lift you right up and that would be the end of it. Yeah, I was running across like a we were on a trail run and out in the middle of this field is just this moose. And it's like, you know, probably 30, 30 yards from us. But it was just like, oh, my, it was just impressive. And then the person with us is like, don't make eye contact. <laughs> Apparently they can be very <laughs> aggressive. So, you know. Just one of those where you're not looking, but you're looking. Oh, my God. I'm trying to look up. I'm not trying. I am looking up images of different animals to see what my favorite. I like owls. I'm going to go with owls. Yeah. They're very cool. I have a collection of, like, owl stuff in the basement. It's very cool. Wood carvings and things of that nature, like figurines, jade figurines and stuff. It's pretty neat. Um, oh talking, my god, this talking animals. Here we talking go. Talking animals. <laughs> yeah, that's an axolotl. You gotta love those. Oh, axolotls are great. Doesn't Jess have an axolotl? Yeah, she does. She does. She also has a lizard named Steve <laughs> or Steven. So there you so, go. So our love neighbors those. are breeding geckos. So they keep having yes. geckos. So our kids keep going over and looking at the geckos. I had a gecko back in the day. Mm. Those things are cool. All right. Enough of the animal kingdom. Oh, let's move on. Fun. Oh, well, <laughs> uh, Aaron. All right, let me make sure I'm not muted. Okay, that's good. Right, <laughs> I always got to check. All right, I'll get myself together here. I got three books. We'll give you some extra then to, to, for the time. Yes. I got three books here. Three books. Three books. No, there's a thread here from last week to this week. Ooh. I think it was last week. I can't remember. Yeah, it was. Story number 22. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie Cates, Nick Klein, Matt Wilson. So there's a reason why I'm sort of continuing this thread. So I'll just go through it. So essentially, we all know Mjolnir is alive and a little salty, going through some things. You know, clear in her mind of all her issues with Thor. And, well, not so much Thor, but with, you know, Odin. You know, he did some shit to her. You know, I, I, I get it now. So we start this book after, you know, last week realized, or the last issue realizing that Mjolnir was laying the, whoop down, the beat down on uh, Thor and all of his uh, 
little cohorts there. Um, this issue starts with the Avengers and, and everyone who's ever uh, had Thor's back coming to his rescue, or what was supposed to be them coming to his rescue, only to arrive and find out that they were like mosquitoes being swatted away by uh, Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Thor knew what was going to happen. He knew of the carnage that, you know, could befall his friends. And so he did something that I'm not accustomed to him seeing. He actually called his mother. Not not Frigga, but his real mother. Uh, and he took some of that power and basically helped protect the people he cared about. But this gave him an opportunity to have a conversation with his dad. And his dad revealed a couple of things that I think explains a little bit about, I think anyway, is going to help explain a little bit about how we ended up in this situation. Uh, because essentially what was revealed was that Odin, and without spoiling it, was that Odin was holding some things back. Um, and at the end of this issue, Odin decided to just come clean and give it all up. And I think this is going to usher in a new sort of period of time, a new sort of layer of Thor. Um, sort of hopefully, hopefully closing the door. And this is why I want to talk about it. Hopefully closing the door on whether or not he's worthy. I know this is never going to be the case. He's always going to be unworthy, but I'm just living in hope that this will close the door on that whole conversation about whether or not he's worthy. And I hope this will bring bring the answers that as fans and readers we've been wanting to get for a while, um, especially in the sort of last couple of arcs where we've been having that story. This sort of did tie up a couple of loose ends from some of the arcs, some of the more some of the previous arcs. So that's the only reason why I brought it up. But I think that moment with uh, Thor and Odin was powerful. Um, I think it landed and was a good way of sort of wrapping up what was a very, very tense sort of ex several couple of exchange between them, the last issue, um, and sort of brought it full circle back to a point where you realize that in the end, it's just a boy and his father fighting um, when they really love each other. So I, I just wanted to bring that up because I think it turned a page and I'm hopeful that it's going to continue to turn a page away from whether and the, the questionings and more towards the showing. So that's it. Next book, Superman, Son of Kal-El, number eight. Uh, Tom Taylor, John Timms. We've talked about this a little bit earlier in the book. Um, the, I'm just going to start with the art. The art just continues, continues, continues to be stellar. Uh, I just love the way that it is that next, that, that sort of secondary character, you know, in the book and the way that it is just defined for me what I think Superman should look like now, what John Kent Superman should look like now. I don't want to see him drawn any other way or depicted any other way in the future. So what we have here, if you remember from the last issue, Bendix has he continues to, to to try to be this version of Lex Luthor, and there's even some conversations with Lex Luthor, where he's basically trying to manipulate and use John to do a variety of things to sort of push his his cause forward. It ended up with there being a big old kaiju in the in the, the waters off of Metropolis, and a group of I don't know what you call them, uh, militarized mercenary rent a cops for hire that are supposed to help fight it, but things don't go as planned. 
You got Superman and Aquaman who essentially want to turn it away. You got the what they call themselves a Gamora Corps wanting to basically kill it. It's all a show because it's basically a chess move to get to to move Bendis' plot forward. Um, obviously, because he's John, he feels responsible for everything that happens. Um, and there is a scene in the later pages of the book where, although he ultimately saves the day, there were losses. And what I was referring to earlier in the show was the that scene of him saving everyone he could in the streets. Yes, um, I remember that. Yeah, uh, and then grieving over someone he lost. Um, that's what I'm talking about. So yeah, things can have consequences, but maybe some of those consequences could be towards the people that you're here to protect. That you're sort of that's your that's your mission. You know, and and just seeing that I thought was very powerful, and it was another layer added to um, what I see John Kent Superman being, even probably more so than I saw in my own mind, from my own experience, what I saw Clark Kent Superman being. So continue to love this book, continue to love that budding relationship, and continue to love the relationship that I think is sort of going to bud there between a friendship, rather, is going to bud there between Jackson Hyde and and, and John Kent. So I, I liked everything about this book. Um, next book, Secret X-Men number one, Teeny Howard, Lino Francis Yu. Remember when we were talking a while back about, um, New Mutants and how it used to be a split book. And we always talked about how we wonder what happened to the other team. Well, yeah, uh, now yeah. we know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> they're the secret X-Men uh, <laughs> or they are now, but it's not the way you, you think it is. It's not them sitting, you know, it's, it's, they haven't been sitting over in the corner somewhere plotting and planning something. It's a little bit more complicated than that. And there are a lot of team members here. Essentially you have here a collection of individuals when the hellfire gala event occurred and the team of X-Men were chosen as one would expect. There were some people that were butthurt that they weren't on that team. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is an opportunity for some of those butthurt non-X-Men to figure out what to do with their lives. Um, and that's kind of what's going on here. Now, this all comes to to pass because there's a crisis, uh, a Shi'ar crisis. They need help from the X-Men. Uh, a little lie gets out of control, and they believe that Roberto is the leader of the X-Men. And this leads... <laughs> <laughs> this leads to one thing after the other, after the other. And he puts this team together and I'm just like, this is the weirdest bunch of, I'm just going to read this team. Sunspot, Cannonball, Banshee, Forge, Boom Boom, Armor, Tempo, Strong Guy, and Marrow. Damn. That's a whole, group. That's a group. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Uh, there's a lot going on here. Um, there's going to be there's there's as you're going through you think this is a pretty, a pretty straightforward story of them having to go and help the CR. I don't want to spoil why they're having to help the CR, but having to go and help the CR. There's um, some reveals that happen along the way, um, but then towards the end, you I, I'm kind of reading it questioning: was this a real mission or was this a a test or was this something else or is this going to be a thing where the secret is even kept from them? Um, there's a lot of there's psychics involved and there's a lot of mind play and there's a lot of so I you're kind of wondering okay well what what's going to happen next because it's it's sort of left off where you don't know what they know at the end of the book I don't know as a reader what they remember of all the events that had just occurred at the end of the book and the thing is the mission wasn't over 
So I'm not sure how this is going to go from issue to issue, but it was enough to engage me. I like these characters. I will. I I remember saying when we were reading um, New Mutants when it first launched that I actually liked this side of the New, uh, New Mutants better. Um, yeah. The the New Mutants that were in space because I felt like their connection was different. I thought the humor was there. That relationship between Sunspot and Cannonball was just funny to me. Um, it was just a, it was fun to watch, and I was always a little annoyed when they they didn't continue with that with that path but i guess we'll get to see them in action moving forward but yeah secret x-men number one um i think it was i think it was a good start we're gonna see where it goes i think the hitch was the the whole you know whether who 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 really knows what the secret is you know is the secret even kept from the team so it's gonna be interesting and this this group of people i like i never heard a strong guy before so it's gonna be interesting to see how this all plays out Mm. and that's my lightning round He was big in the Peter David X Factor years. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I never, I'd heard of everyone he on the team to. except for Marrow and Strong Guy, and I've heard of Tempo, but I don't know if I completely understand exactly how her powers work. Strong Guy was the um, bodyguard for Lila Cheney, yep. the internet intergalactic rock star. So, yeah, does Strong Guy have the like? He's got typically big, wearing like the big yellow shirt and the goggles. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. him. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I'll have to it. check that out. I, enjoy, I definitely enjoyed it. It was a, it was a fun read. I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if it was going to be a, you know, there's only so many corners of the X-Men universe that haven't been explored yet. So starting something new was kind of a, a daunting task at this point. Yeah. Um, I say what the, I'm talking about the, the Hickman X-Men. So I'm kind of curious, especially when we have, things that happened recently sort of breaking down that whole alliance between everyone. I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to continue to have everyone else fall in line. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it so far. We'll see. Sweet. I got to say Thor's this Thor's real mother thing burned me. However many years ago it was, uh, is is it, is the real mother still Gaia? Yeah. Yeah. That was Jason Aaron. Yeah. No, I, I, that goes way back to my time. Okay. Was it Grunwald? Maybe it was Grunwald. It might have been. I think it was before. It was definitely yeah. before Simonson. Yeah, Jason Aaron brought it back into into Vogue, and then there was hints that the Phoenix might be his mother when Aaron started doing his whole Avengers one million yeah. years ago. But I, I I'm with you, Aaron. This this issue redeemed the past few uh, a a little bit, and that last page left me wanting more of that Thor. Because I, I like that more confident mm-hmm. Thor, and, and I don't know how this is going to end. And after twenty one, I said I was out. After twenty two, <laughs> uh, I'm sticking around. I'll stick around and, and see how this one plays out. Oh gosh, it was actually kind of interesting to watch that happen. That, yeah. Um, again, I <laughs> okay. Maybe this was just me. I loved seeing the Avengers all show up, big and bad. Yeah. <laughs> just, just like it's like SWAT next. <laughs> it's like he's got the shit knocked out of him. <laughs> they're like, none of this is working. Yeah. Why are we doing this? We're not even putting Reed, a dent. <laughs> Reed always has like a tablet. He's always like a like a Star Trek science officer. He's always like pulling out and studying. He's like, this doesn't make any sense. It's the god of thunder, Reed. Deal with it. <laughs> in the, exactly. In the middle of the battle, he's going through like a syllabus of <laughs> courses on how to, uh, you know, gauge the, the Odin force or whatever the hell he's right. doing. 
ah, he's like, well, in the, we should be in the eye of the storm. We, except there's we no should be dead, but we're not. Well, <laughs> like, can you just cut to the point? But no, I, I don't know. I, like I said before, lately I've just really been enjoying watching the, the Avengers get smacked down. It's oh, because like, it, it, they deserve it. Yeah, They're the establishment. I, I just, I just enjoy. I just enjoy them showing up all big and bad, like they got it covered, and then it's like, pop. No, you, you really don't have a cover, do you? Oh, look at that. You're all sitting on the sidelines, able to do nothing. Go pout. So exactly. It's like to do nothing at all. And with the wave and basically with a wave of the hand, Thor just sidelined all of you. <laughs> so and there you have it. So yeah, I enjoyed that. But probably for reasons that I probably that the writer didn't intend. <laughs> probably not. So moving on. Speaking of moving on, is it my turn? Yeah, I was a. Yep. All right. Uh, let me get some decent lightning up in here. Shows a damn. Shows a damn. Thank you. All right. So, as I was saying earlier, I have defected. I no longer read. Uh, comics from Marvel or DC or other. In- no, that's not true. Um, I can't get away from Webtoon, you guys. There's some really good stuff on there. Uh, We were talking about it off air, but I'll say it again because it's worth noting. I have found a lot of comfort in the types of comics that you find on Webtoon lately. I've been, I've had a lot of recommendations from Bronwyn and Chris, but I'm also starting to kind of branch out on my own and find my own things and subscribe to things and then go back to them later. And Bronwyn did tell me about this one a little while ago, but I completely forgot about it. So it's still my discovery, damn it, uh, <laughs> called Let's Play. And it was created by uh, Leanne M. Krasik, also known as Mongi on Webtoon. Uh, with layout assists, uh, assists by Nicholas Hogg. And there's a comic in here called Bowser's Big Day that had color assists by Danielle Conti. And Melly Z Beauty is also a contributor to that particular comic. Uh, I have read, they're called episodes, episodes one through, I want to say, 38. Uh, so if you bought the, if you go and you buy the hardcover or the softcover, Volume one in stores covers that ground. Um, I actually went out and bought the physical version after reading it digitally on the app because I wanted to support the creator and things of that nature. Uh, this is an amazing series that is so up my alley. It's ridiculous. You all know how much I love to play video games. Uh, I'll talk briefly about a few games that I've been playing uh, in just a little bit. But Let's Play is about a young woman named Sam Young. She is an indie game developer and the sole creator of a puzzle adventure game called Ruminate. Uh, Those who play the game correctly, they love it. But when a premier VTuber named Marshall Law misunderstands the nature of the game and gives it a bad review on his channel, Marshall's fans begin to review bomb the game, which causes Sam to be blacklisted on the site that hosts it. Uh, shortly after witnessing the ruination of Ruminate, Sam's like, I got to go clear my head. I need to figure this out, but I, I can't do that from here. She grabs her dog, cutefully named Bowser, 
<laughs> and she's going to go for a walk. As she's leaving the building, a person that's moving into the apartment next to her bumps into her with some boxes. The boxes come away from his arm. She sees who it is. And oh, my God, martial law is moving right next door to Sam. He seemingly just ruined her life. And now he's living right next door to her. It is chaos. Sam is the kind of person who has um, some trust issues. She has some personal space issues. I can relate to that very much. Um, And as you kind of get to know Sam and kind of get inside of her head and find out who she is, she has these like figures they're they're called something I don't, I don't know exactly what they're called but they're like these manifest manifestations of her emotions so it's like her the way she deals with friendships it's her guilt it's her nervousness it's personal space it's all these things and they're kind of these like amorphous humanoid alien looking creatures with like giant teeth and they like hang around her and hug at her while she's going through these really awkward social situations. And uh, so very relatable in that way for me. And as you're going through this story, you meet a lot of Sam's friends. Uh, She belongs to an RPG uh, group that they get together every Friday. I've been getting together every other week with my friends to play Dungeons and Dragons. And so I connected with that and they are a wild, wild group, a very eclectic group of people, uh, all with really wild personalities. One of them I don't really like, and I think he needs a smack, but I have a feeling that that's coming either that, or maybe they'll like reveal something about his character that I don't know to make him more sympathetic or something like that. But for right now, he's an asshole and he'll get his, I'll see to it. Uh, this book is absolutely amazing. If you're a gamer in any way, shape, or form, uh, you might be able to connect with this. It also has a lot to say about the gaming community and online communities uh, in general about the ramifications of doing something like review bombing someone, especially if it's undeserved. And let's face it, nine out of 10 times it is. Uh, people are very quick to have a mob mentality. And if they see someone that they look up to, they aspire to be like them, to have a career like them, and they give something a negative review, they can take it upon themselves to get everyone together and go and just ruin their uh, scores online. And that affects sales, that affects uh, word of mouth. And it's also metrics that the companies that are hosting these games look at and it can really ruin someone's career and so this story is very much sam trying to regain her confidence and create something new out of the ruin that's been created by martial law and his fans there's twists and turns throughout the story you find out a little bit more about how it actually happened that sam's score was ruined and it really opens the story up but There is so far, I think, like 155 episodes for this thing. I've done 38 so far. And when I tell you that I had to tear myself away from it to go and read some other stuff for the sake of the podcast, I'm so addicted to this stuff. It's really (laughs) nice. It's really nice to have something that is very much unlike anything else that I'm reading right now from the other publishers. I'm not getting that slice of life 
goodness that I felt with something like Giant Days. I can, I continually continually go back to Giant Days. I think it's a really good source point for this stuff in how it makes me feel when I read it, the type of joy that I get out of meeting all of these characters. Uh, a lot of them are very funny, very relatable. And the story just keeps inventing different turns in the story and, and creating new scenarios that I'm like, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to get out of this? I didn't know this about this person before. And now the way that I feel about them has completely changed. And I have to reorient how I'm reading this character going forward. And I like the idea that this series is keeping me guessing. So um, it's called Let's Play. It is totally free to read on Webtoon. Um, I know I sound like a Webtoon commercial lately, but I mean, if you're looking for alternate things, to you know, support creators that are out there making things with a lot of passion. Uh, that app is out there for you to go and check out. And just as a to put it out there, the way that Webtoon works and how their their systems work when people get noticed. When you click on the page for a Webtoon, you'll see a little tab at the bottom with a heart. Those are likes. If you like something, if you're reading something off of that app like the individual issues that you enjoy because those metrics really, really count toward pushing these books uh, up in the ranks and getting noticed kind of like podcasts that if you were to go and review talking comics for like, you know, Apple or whatever your podcast app is uh, all those reviews help, especially if they're high scores. Uh, And yeah. So when you go there, pay attention to that sort of thing. Uh, I've tried to make it a habit to go in and individually like the the issues that I read, especially if it helps those creators out. Okay. Rain number two. I talked about rain number one a couple of weeks ago. This is that book from Joe Hill and David M. Boer and art by Zoe Thorogood. This is the story of Honeysuckle and her girlfriend, Yolanda. They were about to move in together. They're in a relationship. They belong to a very supportive family. And then, oh, no, a cloud comes over their town and rains these like crystalline needles down on the town, just killing a whole mess of people. Anybody that's outside that was caught in this thing, unless you got shelter, you probably did not survive um, or will never be the same. Uh, unfortunately, sadly, Yolanda, uh, passes away by the end of the first issue. And I was left with questions as to like, I thought that I was going to be reading a story about these two people in this relationship. The other main character dies by the end of the first issue. What is this book even going to be about? Well, okay. So I have an answer to that question. Uh, it is going to be a road trip book because uh, Honeysuckle gets some good advice. Somebody asks her, they say, you know, what do you want to do now that Yolanda is gone? Do you want to sit here and try to survive the rain and wallow? Or do you want to do you want to live the way Yolanda would have wanted you to live? And so Honeysuckle gives it some thought and she she basically figures out, she says, you know what? There's one person left. In uh, Yolanda's last name is Rusted. So there's one person left in the Rusted family, which is her father. And he was kind of the the driving force of the support for them being together. So Honeysuckle feels 
very, uh, she's very grateful for him, very indebted to him for his support. And she feels that he needs to know what happened. The only problem is that where he is, he's stationed like 30 miles away. And because everything is shut down, all the needles like rain down on all the cars and pierce the cars, she has to do this trip on foot. So she has to travel the 30 miles on foot in the rain to get to this person to tell them that their family has passed away and have been victims of the rain. Um, There are like crazy cults along the way that predicted the rain and are now running the streets. Uh, There's this dude named Mark Despot who wears an X on his (laughs) T-shirt because X marks Despot and he's very charming and I'm looking forward to getting to know him better. And I think they're going to be a good pair. Um, They kind of come together toward the end of the book, but I think that their personalities are going to bounce off of each other really, really well. Uh, And there are some other people joining this kind of uh, sad party of people that are making this journey across the city to bring this sad news to the father of this person. Um, I know it sounds super sad and it totally is, but it is also a very heartening story about the depth of love that someone can feel for another person and how in a world where there's not much left or it seems like things are just getting worse and worse how do you honor them and heal yourself? And if you are going to get caught in the rain and you are going to perish, how do you get as close to being okay with dying as possible? So doesn't that just sound so cheery? Yeah. Man, you guys like, you got to dig sometimes. You got to get in there. She wearing a suit of armor to get through the rain. She's got really badass shit kicker boots, man. Oh. She's stepping all over those needles and they just crush them beneath her feet. Uh, <laughs> and somebody tried to give her an umbrella and she was like, uh, yeah, no. Um, no, nah, you gotta you gotta watch the weather patterns, you gotta take shelter, you gotta you gotta be real nimble and real smart, and especially when you got these crackpots that uh, I don't have their name, they're the the name of their order in front of me, but man. It's a doozy and uh, kind of their, their, their leader, their elder, whatever his name is, uh, supposedly predicted that something would happen on this date. And it's kind of one of those situations of like the cult that's always moving the doomsday date around because it didn't happen on the date. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Hail Zorp. So picture these like Zorp idiots uh, basically worshiping this guy who supposedly predicted the rain. And now he's got all his little like cult lackeys who are drinking the Kool-Aid and they're making trouble for uh, for Honeysuckle because they feel like she could be a really good voice for them. And she's basically given them the finger and walked away and says, I've got better things to do. And they took that as a personal insult. And so now they figure, you know, we'll just take her off the board instead of her going around telling everybody, you know, what kind of crackpots we are. Anyway, uh, there's lots of dialogue. There's lots of time. There's lots of time to get into the heads of the characters and get to know them. And that's part of what makes this story for me really, really engaging is that I already care about this person. They made me feel so much for this, the loss of this relationship just within that first issue that like I have to see 
honeysuckle make her way to the the end of this journey and find this dude and give him the bad news and see what happens and see what kind of growth she gets along the way. Uh, and like I said, Mark Despot is very charming and, and I, I think he's going to be a fun character to follow as well. So uh, I like Joe Hill. I'm going to continue <laughs> to read this. Uh, last but not least, I read, uh, I did start reading Wonder Twins uh, between Aaron and Chris recommending it to me. I, 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 I'm having a lot of fun with it so far. It's kind of the Wonder Twins shack up with the Justice League as interns. Superman is doing their father a favor. And he's like, yeah, they can come and stay with us for a little bit. And they're kind of doing the job that the Justice League are either too busy to do or just don't think of doing. There's kind of, by the end of the first issue, the way that they wrap up an encounter with uh, Bob, maybe you can help me with this one. It's a uh, Mr. Mixel Pitlick. Yeah, that's right there. Okay. So the way that they kind of spoilers, like take him out by the end of the issue was a pretty damn funny. Uh, this book overall is very funny. It's very um, kind of like satirizing a few things, uh, but it also like in between the chuckles, it presents a hard and comedic look at the cruelty and inefficiency of criminal reform and how the revolving door of the prison system isn't as effective as the powers that be think it is. Uh, I don't know that that is going to be like a through line through all 10 issues of these two volumes, but so far they're, they're, the story is going out of its way to point that out. That's kind of a, you know, like a big focal point of these first two issues and rolling into the third about using prisoners for uh, like a phone answering service, like a telemarketer prison system kind of thing. And how many people have called you and asked you, you know, if uh, you want somebody to come by and take a look at your roof or whatever, and they're actually calling you from a, from a prison cell or whatever. Um, It's interesting stuff. Mark Russell does a lot of this kind of like socio-political commentary stuff. We saw it with the Flintstones and Snagglepuss and other things of the like. And um, I always forget how much I enjoy Russell's voice and that commentary in particular. And, and I'm, I'm really glad to see that it's in this as well. And once I figured out that that was going to be a part of this book, I'm very, very excited to continue reading it. Um, it's also very funny. Uh, some of the kind of lampooning of the hero characters that are that are in the DC universe and kind of taking them down a peg every now and then uh, works in this book's favor quite a bit. So, and uh, I got some other things here that I could talk about if you guys would uh, indulge me. Uh, I'll say super quick, I've been playing Sifu. This is a game from Slow Clap. Uh, This is a martial arts game that is kicking my ass. I have only made it to the end of the second level. Uh, I've tried many, many times. Although I will say I'm only 24 years old by the end of the second, uh, by the time I move into the second level, which is very good. Um, really enjoying it. It's really tough. I might wait for that easy mode that supposedly is coming, uh, with a new update and, uh, really enjoying it though. Very well made. Uh, it's like if the raid 
or Old Boy were a video game. Um, the hand-to-hand combat mechanics are some of the best that I've ever seen in a video game. And I like the overall aesthetic of the game as well. Uh, and the other thing that I only want to do with my time, screw everything else, is play Horizon Forbidden West. I absolutely love it. I am not uh, mainlining the main quest. I am doing all the side stuff. I'm collecting all the things, getting all the weapons, meeting all the people, listening to all their stories. And oh my God, is this game not the most gorgeous thing that I have ever seen uh, running on the PlayStation 5 console. It's incredible. I'm only a couple of hours into it, but I'm really, really, really enjoying it a lot. Um, did anybody else watch the Peacemaker finale? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Aaron, go okay. her up. Aaron has thoughts. <laughs> All right. Go, go ahead, Steve. No, no, you go. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. I enjoyed it a great deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I do realize that it goes into some very harsh territory. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But I will say mm-hmm. that I think it <laughs> I think it does a really good job of taking particularly the, the peacemaker character and framing him as somebody who, despite all the things that we've seen him do uh, and some of the things that we've heard him say, they do make him sympathetic to a point. And there were a lot of times like, especially within the last the last two episodes when you kind of dig into his origin story and some of the things that he's forced to do throughout the series i liked the roller coaster of getting to know his character better and really feeling for him with some of those flashback sequences and a lot like how i felt with the guardians of the galaxy video game that came out not too long ago i really liked the team building in this and them kind of coming together as a unit to uh, stop this butterfly race that is invading the planet and doing what they're doing. And I was, I was surprised by it uh, in a lot, in a lot of ways. Uh, and it's, I'll, I'll let Aaron jump in now. Cause I don't, I don't want to say anything that might contradict you no, uh, before you, you say your piece. All opinions. It's all opinions. You can say whatever you want to say. Well, I would like for you to say what you want to say. John, would you, would you like to ask me the question you asked earlier? Oh, yeah, okay. Um, I, off air, I asked Aaron, what is it like being a black man watching a show like Peacemaker? It's a great question. Exactly. That's why I wanted to make sure that the context of that question was given, you know, when I give my response. All right. So I'm going to start with a couple things. I thought the first episode was wildly fun. I will say that. I thought it got off to a good start with that sort of weird humor in between the lines, in between the, the, the things that are supposed to happen, the, the big moments that you're supposed to be looking for. I got that. I felt like by the end of the third issue, third episode, I was over it because I really needed those conversations to just happen. I, I really, it just got to a point where a little bit of that went a long way. A little bit of that whole, Everyone goes off on a little bit of a tangent during during what's supposed to be a straightforward conversation. It began to sort of wear on me after a while. Now that so the 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 sort of cadence of the series 
became a little haphazard for me for that reason, because I felt like there was, there were big moments and then there were a lot of really small moments that didn't even seem like they were pushing the story forward, but rather just filling space. Um, And so it just took away from things for me. Now, I also felt like what was filling space was this whole, well, spoilers, if you haven't seen it in three, two, one, white supremacy storyline. I don't know why it had to exist. I don't know why it had to exist as a current day storyline. I don't know why it had to exist as anything other than a flashback to give context into the Peacemaker's bizarre and screwed up mind. Um, I, I get it that it had influence. I get it that it was supposed to give him an opportunity to exercise his demons, but I don't know why it had to be a full on sort of other storyline in this show. And I felt like had you sort of hinted at those things and given them space to sort of give context to the, the main character, probably could reduce the series by like two or three episodes. Um, well, between that and the ridiculous amount of exposition in like two episodes, that was just, I was just like, what is happening in these now overall, if I average out my enjoyment of the series, I enjoyed it. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I'm saying I had some problems with certain parts of it. Now to go back and answer your question, John, this is where I, I take it away from being a character and start looking at it as a, a show that's airing in 2022 in the midst of what we are dealing with right now. I understand before anyone starts tweeting at me, I understand that it's a comic book character. I get it. I understand that we're trying to give layers. I get it. I also understand that to answer John's question, I'm a black man in 2022. And if I have to look on my screen and see us try to find sympathy for a white supremacist or someone who's been influenced by a white supremacist and make him the center of attention and the hero of a story, I'm probably going to flip a table. So that's where my issues came in. Not expecting anyone to agree with me, not expecting anyone to sort of to, to, to see it from my perspective, but overall what you had was a story of this man has done countless horrible things. He was sent to prison. He did them. He literally said, I will kill as many men, women, and children as I can to get this. And now we are trying to make him the sympathetic center of the story. I was over that. So that's kind of how I sort of saw this show. I, I enjoyed the James Gunness of it because he gives you that opportunities to have fun. I also think he should be psychologically evaluated, but <laughs> he gives you that, that James Gunn fun that you enjoy. I do believe a little bit of that James Gunn fun goes a long way. So maybe he's not right for series like this, because again, I do believe there was a lot of this showcasing of, what were meant to be very clever, funny, little weird conversations, but a little bit, I think they took a little bit too far. I think there were a couple of scenes where I just went a little bit too, like, like uh, vigilante. I think they suffer through some of his little rants a little too much. Um, But that's just window dressing things. The bigger issue was I, 
don't try to make me feel sorry for this guy. Mm -hmm. Let the character be the character and let the character play out the way the character is meant to play out. But don't try to make him into my hero at the end because he's not. He's that's not what I don't think that's what was the connecting tissue between seeing him in the Suicide Squad and getting him this show. I think what drew everyone's attention to him in the movie was that he was who he was and he was put with that's the whole point of them being on the suicide squad. They're all fucked up and he was put with other fucked up people. And it just became this race of seeing who could get to the fucked up finish line first. (laughs) So to take him out of that and to try to put him in this sort of explain a backstory and make him the hero thing. I, I no, not really feeling that. Let him be the asshole. So you didn't think that there were aspects of the story that were very much a middle finger to like the white supremacist mentality? Because what I took away from this, especially with how some of that stuff resolves, is the the commentary being like, you are all ridiculous. You are all backwards and wrong. And we won't tolerate or suffer this any longer and you you need to go. Two separate things. Those two separate things. Okay. Yes, I do believe there was a middle finger given. I think the whole blow darting him in the neck, even though he was a ghost, and the whole shooting him in the center of the head was was very symbolic. Doesn't change that you are still the person, this character. You are still the character who did these horrible things. Oh so, yeah, hundred percent. So I, I'm talking. I mean, I didn't find part. him. I didn't find him redeemed by the end of this season. Like I, I mean, that's not that wasn't my takeaway. You had with it. him turning to the sole black person on the show and saying, "You are my BFF," and her mm-hmm. choking up and tearing up hearing him say that. To me, that was meant to be a redemption. I mean, I suppose for those two characters, I don't know if that translates over to me. Personally, mm-hmm. well, that's why John asked me as a black man yeah. why I felt right, right, yeah, so no, and, you know, to. two two yeah. entirely different perspectives, yeah. absolutely. And I'm just responding from that perspective. I know not everyone's going to agree. No, with I think me. you bring I'm, a lot of good points to the table, but I just, yeah. I just, it just landed, and I feel like it probably would, it probably landed a little bit differently for other people of color. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying that you can't characterize, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you can't characterize Peacemaker. As Peacemaker, what I'm saying is don't try to humanize him. Let that character be – you didn't try to humanize the – I mean you tried to humanize the Joker rather and you didn't, you, not everyone loved it. Yeah. I'm just saying it's just the same thing. Just let the asshole be the asshole but let him be a useful yeah. asshole. Yeah. Don't try <laughs> to make me care for him. I don't want to, I didn't care for anyone in the Suicide Squad. Honestly, when when all those team members in the Suicide Squad were dying left and right, I did not care. Right, I was more they're horrible focused. people. Yeah. They're horrible people, and they're supposed to be. You're supposed to think that way. Yeah, they're supposed to be seen as horrible people. I'm not supposed to want to hug up next to to, to Peacemaker. What if Ratcatcher or King Shark were going to get it? They were in jail for a reason. Yeah. <sighs> okay, they were in jail for a reason. I get all of her crocodile tears at the end. But she was in prison for a reason. They didn't just go to random 
you know, petty thief and say, hey, join the Suicide Squad. You were at Bell Rev for a reason. To me, that says you deserve to be there. What about redemption, though? You There's pathways. Yes, there are pathways. You can be redeemed, but I don't care. Yeah. I don't think six. <laughs> I don't think eight episodes of this show redeemed yeah. the character. And I and I'm I'm I I enjoyed the hell out of it too, Steve. And, and I, I want a soundtrack because I, I I loved almost every musical bit of this. But <laughs> um, I'm I, I didn't feel that. I think maybe he's on the pathway to redemption and. I do enjoy that they kept going back to the um, Rick Flag moment when he's like Peacemaker. What a mm-hmm. joke! I thought that was really good use of that that visual, and yeah. and and I I the I mean some of the stuff with the dad. It, mm-hmm. it I mean it's hard for me, and so that's where my question comes from because these I mean these these people are still out there, and so I didn't know if that was like a. I didn't. I didn't see it as needed for this yeah. season. I felt it was like a an ancillary story that could have maybe been dealt with better later. You do some flashbacks here, but overall, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I looked forward to it every every time I I watched it. I just think that it's it it's a show. I think you're either gonna really like it or or you're gonna have problems with it. Yeah. Well, I will say this, and. Um, like for somebody who hasn't really, I, I've, I'm not a wrestling fan, right? So like I'm, I'm coming to the whole John Cena thing strictly from a Hollywood perspective, and you know all of these wrestlers turned actors have kind of got to pay their dues, or like the big beefy guys got to do like the pacifier, the game plan, mm-hmm. my spy, you know all these these family <laughs> movies. It's kind of a rite of passage thing. Uh, you got John Cena with that, like that fireman's movie. I don't know what the hell it's called uh, with like Keegan, Michael Key. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I thought that there were not from everyone, but I think that there were some good performances mm-hmm. in this and particularly from him, like regardless of what you think about the character, I think for what he, what he was supposed to be conveying on the screen and the emotions that you were supposed to feel from him, I John Cena would I never would have told you like oh he's a man that can emote he's a guy that can like that could get you there oh yeah and I found his performance in this to be very very cool and very layered at times and I thought that he brought a lot to that character uh, with the material that he was given he blew me away I was I was surprised at how powerful some of his emotion his screen time is I mean yeah yeah he's 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 a wrestler and he's funny and we've seen him in comedy, but he, he took it up a notch in this show. We saw him act in this. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And like he, he, I think he brought it. Like he definitely brought it. The rock is always the rock. No matter what character he is, he's the rock. I, I, John Cena became a different person in this. Like he's, he wasn't John Cena, the wrestler to me. He was peacemaker. And that, I think that that's, that's noteworthy. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed Mern. I enjoyed Adebayo. Economist, I thought, turned into a, a real cool character by the end. Harcourt, yeah. from the very from beginning to end, was was a joy to watch. Uh, did not know that that is uh, it's James just, yeah. Gunn's yeah, uh, partner, yeah. which is awesome. And um, yeah, I, I mean, 
I, I liked Vigilante. I, I know that he had moments, but I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, character. he was, I think, I think what Aaron was saying before, I think maybe there was a little too much of him sometimes. Oh, yeah. like I found yeah. some of the, like, the more bantery moments yes. where they were just kind of throwing in, like, another little, like, jib-jab conversation that went on for about a minute and a half that went absolutely nowhere like just to show more of his like you know personality i was like yeah man like maybe we can just go into the barn and get down to business we don't need you know another economist uh pissing contest between between economist and cena and vigilante (laughs) and the whole best friend trifecta like uh, come on yeah, well, no, like, I get that. I get that. Like when he was just popping up from behind things, I was just like, "All right, that's how you should use him." Yeah. But yeah. when it was like he's saying, see, these these extended versions of of free associated words that you know just took you completely out of the conversation. It was sort of like, "All right, you should all be killed immediately because you guys are idiots." Yeah. Well, they had to re- um, they had to recast that character and reshoot like most of the scenes without his mask on. Really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't. Remember. Is that what they? Is that what they? Who was originally supposed to play? I him? forget the whole backstory there, but I uh, I I don't remember. But um, I will I, if you can think of it, or maybe look it up. But um, the other thing that I'll say is this: that I think that DC is doing a far far better job of uh than marvel is is uh some of its queer representation with adebayo and her partner and there being you know a a fully queer relationship on display in the show and that representation being there that goes a long way for a lot of people and you know marvel is doing a lot of pussyfooting around that sort of thing. They're mentioning it, but not really mentioning it in detail. I mean, they did go there for Eternals, but it was very, what was there was very muted. And this was like full on. If you're watching the show, there is no denying that this is here. And, and it was beautiful and it was great. And I, I I look forward to that character continuing on in the second season and her partner, maybe being a bigger part of the show. Uh, Instead of just being kind of the, you know, you go do your thing, honey, uh, role that they were playing. I was really hoping that they would have a bigger part, but maybe that's on its way. So, All right. I got the story here. Uh, originally, um, a man named Chris Conrad was going to play him and they shot five and a half episodes and then he left due to creative differences. So they brought in this Freddie Stroma. And they went back and reshot all of the scenes of the character without the mask on. That's why a lot of the scenes were there might not be other people in the um, in the shot with him. Like they panned to him and then back because it was just him acting. And then they spliced in what they had already shot. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah. just creative differences. Maybe something similar to what we were talking about. This wasn't a uh, fired because of X situation. Nope. It says they left. He left because of creative differences, which could right, be code well, for anything. Mm-hmm. Speaking of differences, let's uh, change gears here and uh, move on to the news. That was a terrible segue, but awful. You what? You know what? No, no. It was my awful news thingy. 
you host the next episode. No, I was I was criticizing myself, not you. Yes, yes. I forced a bad segue in my time too. So <laughs> I've had to edit out some of your segues. <laughs> All right, let's go through these news stories really quick. We're burning podcast time here. Ah, uh, uh, John, you know what? What's you can give us our first story, this DC and Marvel uh, thing that's going on. What's up? Well, this is both great news and sad news. Uh, and I believe, was it just a few weeks ago, Bob, that you read JLA Avengers? Yes, I did. Brought it back out of the archives. Yeah. Well, if you, if you, yeah, I mean, this is a book that's been hard to find. I mean, it goes for hundreds of dollars on eBay um, because DC and Marvel never wanted to reprint it or could agree to it. Um, sadly, George Perez is, uh, has cancer. He's dying. He's in hospice. Um, and the hero initiative, which is, a, a, a nonprofit group that helps, um, comic creators. Not every comic creator has made a fortune off of, you know, licensing deals and so on. And they step in and help some of the older creators and newer creators if needed, They've convinced DC and Marvel to reprint 7,000 copies of JLA Avengers and all of the profits will go to help the Hero Initiative and help people in the comics community who might be down on their luck. And it's got the four issues. It's got 64 pages of just Perez's uh, artwork and his kind of his notes and thought process. And it will have a new um, afterward by Kurt Busick, the the writer of the this not only this but also Perez's second Avengers run. And I just I, I as soon as I saw this, I called my comic shop and I said, "Get me a copy. Put me down." If, what, I don't know. It's going through Diamond, so I was. It's not on Amazon or anything like that. So if you want a copy, I think you need to reach out to a comic shop. But uh, I, I'm all for this. I, I think Hero Initiative is a great foundation. And I am not ready to lose George Perez, but I know that it's going to happen sooner rather than later. But I think this is a great tribute to an incredible man and a fantastic artist. Nicely yeah. put. Amen. Thank Amen. you. Awesome. I should get my hands on one of these. I should call my, uh, my shop tomorrow. Yeah. You won't regret it. You will not. No, I've got um, I've got a lot of Perez in the in the basement that I, I'm I'm sadly not as familiar with his work as uh, I think probably everybody else on this podcast has. I think I am the most unPerezed. So in the modern in the modern era, out. he's one of the top two or three people that's ever done it. He can do every, oh, yeah. every character to a T. Great writer as well. Mm on the books he did mm -hmm. and a, just a genuinely nice man on top of everything yeah. else. Yeah. Him and yeah. I've heard nothing but nice stories. Him and John Byrne were my entry points into comic. Like I loved a lot of comics, but anything those two did, I got that. That was, that, those were my go-to. And when they were on uncanny Avengers with Byrne and Perez was doing teen Titans, it didn't get much better than that. Or over DC with this Byrne, is, Byrne doing cool. Superman and George doing Wonder yeah. Woman. Yeah, that, yeah, it's cool that it's these. It's this right, like this collection yeah. with these two these these two titans of the industry coming together, right, to celebrate his work. That's really cool. Yeah, 
Lovely. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next story. So <laughs> in a long line of George R.R. R. Martin wanting to do anything but finish Game of Thrones. Uh, George R. R. Martin is uh, Martin's Game of Thrones author, George R. R. Martin, to launch Marvel Comics series Wild Cards. It's an anthology coming to Marvel. Uh, Marvel is adapting Martin's first uh, Wild Cards book, which kicked off a long-running anthology series in 1987 with stories by Martin Howard uh, Waldrop and Roger uh, Zelani. Zel- I think I got that right. Zelazny, actually. There's another Z in it. Zelazny. Um, Bob, are you are you familiar with this? Do you want to take nope. over this? Nope. Uh... Never read them. <laughs> Never read them. I read wild, <laughs> okay. I read wild cards back in the day. Uh, I got the little blurb right here, and then maybe, John, you can jump right. in after this. Uh, the Wild Card series tells the story of an alternate post-World War II history where Earth is home to super-powered individuals. When a human is infected with an alien wild card virus, the odds are that they will be killed, uh, referred to as drawing the Black Queen. Of those that survive, the bulk become Jokers left with some strangely muted form. Oh, mutated form, sorry. Uh, A lucky few are aces. Man, this is already getting confusing. (laughs) Those gifted with superpowers, they can put to use towards heroic goals or villainous ones. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, Writer Paul Cornell and artist Mike Hawthorne have signed on to create the comics for Marvel. Hey, did you know that Sarah and I interviewed Paul Cornell? (laughs) (laughs) there it is joey's not here to uh to retort and we won't give it to him uh yeah i i mean i i got nothing for this i got i got nothing on martin um certainly cornell is a is a fine creator um but i i mean as far as this moving the needle for me nothing does, is saying, anybody else excited about yeah, this? Yeah, Paul Cornell. Uh, the books ran for a long time. They're very, very popular. Yeah. It's what he did just before he was doing Beauty and the Beast. Uh, he, he wrote that and then ran, ran to Game of Thrones. He was he was a big, big creator before everyone knew he was a big creator. So why not? Yeah. I'll give a shout to one or two of, of Paul's on that. I've, all right. I've given up all hopes that he will ever finish Winds <laughs> of Winter. It's not going to ha- You know what's going to happen? Sadly, he'll probably pass away, and then whoever's in charge of his estate well, that, or whatever will assign someone to finish well, it. That's what they did with Robert Jordan in his Wheel of Time. Brandon right. Sanderson came in and finished the final three. I, I, I understand writer's block. I understand. I mean, it's been a decade, a decade between novels, and he. Every time I see one of these, like he's doing something else, I, I just like you know what, George. Good on you. You know, you got your HBO money. You got your, you know, you, you got your little not a blog. I've <laughs> I've just kind of completely given up that he will ever finish that story. And yep. what it is on HBO is what it's going to be. So good on him. I probably won't. I'll check this out for Paul Cornell and Mike Hawthorne. I was never, I read some of the books back in the day because it was so hard to find superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. Like written words, like written book, right? Um, but I don't, I, I don't know how long I'll stick it out. But I'll give it, I'll give it a look. I do enjoy Paul Cornell. I just, I don't know that the the Martinness of it uh, <laughs> intrigues me. I think I'm a little 
and I mean, and this is probably stupid, uh, but like I'm, I'm a little burnt out over the way that, uh, and I know that Martin wasn't directly responsible, but I just, the way that game of Thrones ended when it did <laughs> was such a huge letdown. Uh, they've got this house of the dragon series coming out yeah. that they're starting to drop uh, promotional materials for. And I just wonder if they're going to be able to recapture the magic or because it is a known property. If everyone's, I mean, I'll certainly check it out. Yeah. But it, it's just, I, I wonder if they can recapture that lightning that they had with Game of Thrones. Cause that was a cultural touchstone show that if you, for the people that watched it, if you were not caught up, on Game of Thrones, you are not a part of that conversation. <laughs> you needed to leave. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, could be cool. Yeah. Bringing, you know, different ideas to the table is always a plus. So let's do it. Uh, let's move. Okay, this is this Comicsology piece. Uh, Milestone. Milestone in DC Comics launches Earth M with Duo by Greg Pak and Koi Fam, I believe. Yep. Um, where is the? Is this a? Is this a new milestone property, or is this another milestone property that is being rebooted? It was like, talked about early on, but this is finally. It, it's yeah. zombie, isn't it? Yeah, I think it was supposed to be. I'm trying to remember the character. I remember it being discussed in that zero issue. Yeah. Um, or, or demonstrating at zero issue. And I was kind of wondering what happened to some of the other things that, you know, were in that issue. But um, I think this is part of the, the stretching of the universe um, yeah. that they had talked about doing, sort of, sort of expanding the universe. So you set the foundation of what it was um, and, you know, let that be what it is today. And then sort of expand it a little bit further with, with these characters that, um, have a, a unique way of a, a unique backstory, essentially. I like the look of these enemies that this guy is fighting. Yeah. yeah Pretty cool. Um, so this says one of the first titles in the uh, earth M line will be the six issue limited series duo. Uh, the story of two lovers, both alike in scientific accomplishment merged into one body through a nanotechnology experiment. Sounds very valiant to me. Uh, while this has granted them extraordinary powers, it has also erased the boundaries between them. Can a love survive when all things must be shared as uh, and independence lost? Sorry. Uh, we spoke with author Greg Pak, blah, 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 blah. Duo is the story of doctors Kelly uh, Vu and David Kim, who are fused into one being by nanotechnology overnight. I think this sounds really cool. And yeah. like I said just before, I like the art and I really like the enemy design. The character design in these pages is really neat. I think it's going to be an interesting read. I think it's going to be interesting to sort of expand, like we said, expand the universe. Yeah. Um, the universe has, you know, thus far focused on African-American stories. And I think to expand it, to continue to be diverse um, and, and have an Asian, you know, uh, hero or heroes come into it, I think is Sort of the perfect evolution. I like so getting. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I like that they keep doing these six issues too. Like yeah. they did the mm -hmm. season one six issues. This is six. It's like keep rotating them and then come back to the original. Yeah. yeah no, I like I like this model. I'm getting some uh, some firestorm uh, and like Doctor Mirage vibes yeah. from this. I can yeah. see the firestorm corollary. Yeah. 
the merging of characters and with whatnot. This, with this one photo, I think they're trying to go after a Nightwing's bag with the thick thighs and a <laughs> skin-tight uniform going on here. Hmm. You see this cover, though, down at the bottom of this article? It's like metaphysical, uh, like really, really colorful uh, cover. It's gorgeous. Yes. With the, what was that? Is that a flower? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's really pretty. Beautiful. Yeah, I would, I would check this out. This looks really neat. I'm excited about this. I'll be there. Believe me. <laughs> yeah, I need to, man, I need to dig in, uh, dig in some more Milestone stuff. Uh, I've liked everything that I've read so far. I just haven't read enough of it. It's so fun. You know what's fun about it is that you don't have to, you don't need to rack your mind to see what the backstory is when you pick it up. Right. So it just makes it a very easy, you know. They're all great entry points. Yeah. Uh, So we've got one more story, one more quick one. Uh, We added at the last second just to put it on people's radar. Maybe call your shops and give a pre-order. Uh, there are going to be new Bloodshot, Exo, Manowar, and Book of Shadows titles coming to Valiant. And uh, one of them, I believe, the there's uh, so Colin Bunn is going to be on the Book of Shadows title with uh, Ricardo Latina. Bloodshot will be where are the uh, Denise Camp yeah. with John Davis Hunt and Jordi Belair and uh, Hassan Atzmain uh, Alho. Hell how? Sorry. Um, and then we have Exo Manowar Unconquered uh, coming from Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad and Liam Sharp. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> that's a heavy, that's a heavy hitting book. Isn't Exo Manowar like Valiant's Iron Man? Am I going to get flamed for kind saying of. that? It's an alien suit of armor with a, yeah. he's a Visigoth from the Roman era who's been brought to the modern day. This cover is uh, yeah. serious. This looks, this looks cool. I know. I really like this Bloodshot cover too. Bloodshot Unleashed is oh, what this book is called. with like getting flayed off with the bullets? Yeah. 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 It's, it's neat. It's gross, but it's neat. <laughs> It's like his head's going to come right off from the top of his teeth. Uh, wicked. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Jumping on points for Valiant stuff is always good. Maybe this will be when I try to dip my toe back into the water. Yeah. Might be a I good read, entry point. I think I read the most Valiant I Oof. read was when they were doing, what was it? Unity. When they did yeah. their first yeah. unified team. So I was reading Unity, but then I wanted to know a little bit more about the core characters and so i started reading some of their other stuff um i don't i regret that i didn't sort of continue to move forward with it but it was a little bit you guys were talking about last week a little bit daunting at times to yeah yeah uh this stuff is not coming out for a while this this uh book of shadows isn't coming out to the end of july uh bloodshot is september and exo manivores all the way in november so you got plenty of time to get those pre-orders in (laughs) if you're interested uh, this is part of the the year of the valiant, uh, as they're calling it. I guess they're they're really going to try to take advantage of 2022 and get their books in front of readers. Cool. Yeah, won't hurt. Nifty. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the, uh, the books that we're looking forward to this week. I don't know about anybody else, but my list is ridiculous this week. The last two weeks have been kind of quiet. Uh, that is not the case for me this week. 
But um, Bob, what are you going to be picking up? Let's see. Catwoman 40, Ms. Marvel Beyond the Limit 3, Black Widow 14, She-Hulk number 2, Captain Marvel number 36, and the long-awaited, about a year out from when I ordered it, The Art of Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. Oh, cool. Man, that's a that's a sweet list. That's a lot of like that's a lot of heavy hitting yeah. books on that list. That's awesome. Uh John, what are you picking up? Uh Catwoman 40, DC yeah. versus Vampires 5. Yes. Detective Comics 1054, Robin 11, Deadly Class 51. Uh I'll probably finish out The Amazing Spider-Man number 90. I think there's only like 3 issues left with it before they reboot it. Black Widow, Dark Ages, number five, She-Hulk, number two, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, number 35, and then a new entry into the Radiant Black Universe, Supermassive, number one. Oh, I bought uh, Radiant Black not too long ago. Should I read it? Yeah. Okay. Aaron, what are you getting? So uh, I think uh, interesting. All of like all but four of the books I'm behind on, but I'm still getting up. Saga fifty six, Miles Morales, Spider Man number thirty five, Department of Truth sixteen, Strange Academy sixteen. What number is Captain Marvel? Number one. Thirty six. Well, Captain Marvel thirty six. There you go. <laughs> Black Widow fourteen, uh, Blue and Gold. I'm still behind on, but I wanted to catch up. That's number six. Shang Chi number nine, Aquaman number one, and Hardware season one number four. Sweet. Uh, a lot of repeats for me, but I will read them anyway. I'm also picking up Catwoman. Uh, this is presuming that all of these things come yeah. out. Catwoman number four. We can find them on the new <laughs> Comicsology or wherever. Uh, Catwoman number 40. Dark Ages number five. DC versus Vampires number five. Detective 1054. Uh, Harley Quinn 12. The Human Target number five. Robin 11. Black Widow 14, Captain Marvel 36, Ms. Marvel number three, Silk number two, Strange Academy number 16, Bolero number two. I enjoyed the first one, but I want to give it another shot. Uh, The Department of Truth number 16 is supposedly coming out, along with the House of Slaughter number five, Monstrous number 37, and of course, Saga number 56. Ding, ding, ding. Steve is the big winner. Yeah, those are uh, going to be busting out that credit card. That's all right. Like I said, I've had I've had two relatively quiet weeks, um, and but the, my my problem now is that dipping so much into this webtoon stuff that I'm buying this stuff and I'm not getting caught up with my books and they're just piling up. So I gotta gotta watch myself. We've also started to buy the webtoon stuff in physical form. Like we got a nice little library going on in my office now that I have a shelving unit in here. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, I have some closing statements. But does anybody else want to say anything or, or shout anything out before we get out of here? Yep. Just want just right. want to mention again the great time I had with Stephanie Cook and Whitney Garner over on the Capercast talking about the movie Charade. <laughs> So if you're interested in movies as we talk about such things, right over there at the Capercast. And that's out now, right? Out now, absolutely. Yay, go download it. Give them a a follow or whatever it is, a subscribe. I don't know. Promo review. Whatever the kids call it these days. Uh, Speaking of promotions, I'm going to take a moment to do a uh, shameless self-promotion for myself. Uh, 
me and my uh, video partner, Jasmine Evans Samuels, have released the third episode of Animation Movies Revisited on the Joe Blows Originals YouTube page. This one was for The Secret of Nim from Don Bluth, and this is our biggest video yet. This has been out for, I think it's been three days, and we are at over 20K views for Whoa. this episode. This is our biggest episode yet. Over 20,000 people have watched it. Uh, every time I refresh the page, which I do a lot, uh, it keeps going up, up, up. There's been a lot of nice comments. Um, some crappy ones too, but whatever, we don't respond to those people because they're <laughs> just trying to get a rise out of me. But um, it has been it, it has been cool to kind of grow this series and kind of shape my narration voice. Uh, I just actually got an email while we were recording the show of two more offers for two more shows to narrate. So your boy's getting some voice work, which is kind of cool. Nice. Um, and I've got some really cool interviews that I'll be setting up either this week or the next that you all might be very interested in in the coming weeks. I will uh, be sure to let you know what is up with that. Um, I have potentially will be talking to some very cool people. So... Uh, we'll see what happens with that. I'm not going to count my chickens until they get back to me and let me know what the roster is, but I'm excited about it. Lots of cool things are happening. Uh, it's nice to feel like maybe things are, are the upswing continues to go up and maybe we're getting back to some kind of new normal uh, within the industry or out there in the world. We have reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. That's the one. Uh, Christoph, thank you again for your email. We always enjoy getting them. We enjoy reading them and sharing them on the show. Uh, yeah, the emails are open. Tweets are open at Talking Comics on Twitter. Ask us questions. Let us know uh, what you think of the conversations. What do you think about the show? Reach out to us. We always check those things out. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Bob, where can our listeners find you? Old-fashioned email at that one that you talked about. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. There it is. Uh, Joey is at Joey Brachino online. Aaron, where can the fine people out there find you? At Aaron J. Amos. John at John P. Burkle. Are you sure? Did you forget? No, I am sure. <laughs> I am at dead underscore anchorus online. Uh, there are lots of episodes on the Talking Comics feed. Make sure you're downloading them. There are new episodes of Thirsty on Tune. My episode of Thirsty on Tune for Everything is Fine, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago, will be on the feed soon. Maybe not this week, but the, perhaps the week after. But it is the next episode in the rotation unless the uh, Bronwyn and Chris decide to drop another surprise episode or maybe the second part of their awards. I'm not sure. They're in charge, not me. Uh, But thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, It has been fun. It has been a pleasure. And uh, we hope that you've enjoyed yourselves. Be safe out there. And uh, so for Bob. I spent $40 on Supergirl, so you don't have to. Hey. (laughs) For Aaron. 
Doing the Lord's work. <laughs> for, for John. I can't follow him. I can't. <laughs> I'll be curious to see if, if Joey actually did the reading for that and when he comes back what he has to say about it. Uh, we'll hear we'll hear from the other side of the scales. Um, we will catch you next time on the Talking Comics podcast to be continued. <laughs>